What's going on, everybody? My name is Wesley Shoemaker, back with you today with Aaron Parker for a new episode of the Blue Bolt Sports Podcast. We have officially reached postseason play for the West Virginia University Mountaineers, and they're going to be headed to Kansas City to start the Big 12 tournament tomorrow on Wednesday. And then after that, they have basically guaranteed themselves a spot in the actual tournament, the big dance, the NCAA tournament, after a strong close to the regular season. So, Aaron, this team's won three of four to end the year, and they've basically put themselves in a spot where they're going to be in. It's just a matter of where they're going. Yeah, winning is fun, and winning's really fun at this time of year. The Mountaineers are uh, picking a good time to get hot, and, you know, people would have told me, you know, back early Big 12 play when they were sitting at 0-5 in conference play, that they would, um, you know, turn the season around and make the tournament. I don't know if I would have believed you because this league is a gauntlet. Um, but they they got the job done. You know, two road wins is not a ton, but for this team, it was impressive to to go to um, Hilton Coliseum and get that win and beat a good K State team on on Senior Day. So they're winning at the right time. Yeah, West Virginia's last four games are a blowout win at home over Oklahoma State, then Oklahoma State team who is firmly right on the bubble. Uh, a two-point loss on the road at Allen Fieldhouse where you really had a chance to win that game late. You had the ball, last possession, last shot, just really couldn't get anything out of it. Then you go to Ames where Trey Mitchell was ejected with 10 minutes to play, and you get that win with Emmett playing at the center position late. And then you come back home against the top 11 team, and you you win, and you kind of control that whole second half there. And, and route to victory. So this team is getting hot. You've always heard, don't let teams get hot going into March. And if West Virginia beats Texas Tech tomorrow, they kind of really set themselves up, even if they lose to Kansas, um, if they beat Tech, they really set themselves up in a position to kind of probably make some noise and have some momentum into, into the big big thing. Yeah, they've done really well in, um, in late February and the beginning parts of March, and that's the right time to do it. Um, what I like out of this group over the last couple of games is the the play from from your starters. Um, you know, Eric Stevenson is getting around 25 a game in his last five games. I mean, that's ridiculous. He's getting 23 and 27 almost every single night. He's been playing well. I know he, he turned the ball over a good bit um, at Kansas, but he's been scoring a good bit. Um, Tucson off the bench has been good, minus the um, Iowa State game. I mean, Trey Mitchell has been playing his best ball of the year. So, and then Emmett too. So you're getting project production from the guys who should be producing. And unlike maybe early, earlier in the season, like one starter, two starters would be hot, but the other three would not give you much. I think they're all really starting to come together right now, and that's what you want to see. Yeah, I think for so long we heard that this team's going to mesh, they're going to mesh, they're going to mesh. And then I think on, on Saturday at Kansas State, it was like a wow moment because you had the four starters of Eric Stevenson, Emma Matthews, Kedrian Johnson, and Trey Mitchell – so, no, it was just Stevenson, Matthews, and um, Keedy. They combined for, like, 70 points or something like that on Saturday. And Trey Mitchell added 14. So, like, these guys are playing their best ball of the year right now, and that's all you can ask for. And they've also started to play small. Jimmy Bell's getting less minutes. Obviously, I think the injury to Moagie kind of somewhat forced Huggins's hand in that he had to start going small for longer periods of time, just because you can't keep, Jim, J, can't keep Jimmy Bell on the floor for over 20, 23, 24 minutes a game. Um, and then James Oconquo obviously got hurt in the early on in the Iowa state game. So you had to go small there. 
And then it's kind of just, you've kind of kept with this trend of having Trey at the five, uh, Emmett at the four, like putting guys in positions that aren't necessarily conducive to success on the defensive end, but the way they're using their athleticism, the way they're switching a lot right now, they are switching a lot. Um, they're rotating pretty well, I'd say, especially compared to early on when you felt like a lot of these teams were getting wide open looks. And then they're really getting it done on the offensive end. And I think that's what matters is that if you're going to have the small lineup, they've got to score and they've been scoring pretty well, scoring almost 75 at Allen Fieldhouse, um, hung 90, obviously on Kansas state, basically. So you've got, you've got a team and you've got a group there that is starting to figure out what they have to do to win because West Virginia and their wins are scoring 80, 85 points per game. And you've got to keep that up come March. Yeah, it's a game of adjustments, especially around this time of year. You got to make adjustments. I mean, if you go back to, what was it, the Baylor game on the road when they got killed, um, <clears throat> Hugs went into a zone <clears throat> zone defense, and that was an adjustment that didn't really pan out. And here we are, early March, late February. Going small is an adjustment that's been working. I mean, I really like – I think all Mountaineer Nation likes Joe Toussaint coming off the bench. I think, I think we all wish he would have been at West Virginia his en entire career because he's one of those guys that plays Hugs' Huggs system. I really like what he gave us um, at Iowa State. I mean, played three years at Iowa. Iowa State's an in-state rival. Came off the bench, gave us 19 and seven boards, made like three or four threes. I mean, that's pretty big time. And, you know, nothing against Jimmy Bell. But I think I think going small around this time of year um, works better for this team. Obviously, there's going to be some matchup uh, scenarios in the Big 12 tournament and in the NCAA tournament where maybe you, you got to get more out of Jimmy. Or maybe James Oconquo has to, you know um, – you know, step up and give you some minutes, but I like the small ball right about now. I really like it too, just because it feels like there's always someone who can make a play on both ends of the floor. And I think for this is like, you've got Trey Mitchell, who's, who's, who's a big, who's a big guy. Like he's six, six, seven, six, eight, and he's athletic. And you have Emmett who's six, seven and is athletic. So you have guys that guys that can guard multiple positions. It's just a matter of you're going to have to keep Jimmy Bell out of foul trouble. So teams can't just, rely 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 on their big guys because if you get into march and you say you're facing a second round game against like purdue like you're gonna have to have an answer and we all know what might happen if you don't have an answer and so it's a matter of playing small but also being able to adjust for the times where you need to play big and have your bigs on the floor exactly and around this time of year everybody's you know kind of banged up and um obviously mo wiggy he's been on he's been on crutches so i you know I'm not sure about his situation, but I mean, especially if you face a, a team with with a strong big, I mean, Lord forbid, uh, going up against Zach Eady again with Purdue, you're gonna have to have reinforcements. Um, and so hopefully James is, you know, rehabbing pretty well. I know he uh, got some minutes against K State, but like wasn't as big of of a factor as he was against say like Auburn and Oklahoma. Um, so hopefully his rehab is is going along pretty nice because um, you know, with Mo Wiggy on on crutches. You know, and Jimmy Bell, you know, he's got a history of foul trouble. You're going to have to have reinforcements. and But every, every team is banged up around this time of year, so we'll just, you know, see how it plays out. And at some point, your seniors are going to have to make plays, and that's certainly what they did on Saturday. Moving on, Big 12 tournament. Uh, I think ideally, if you're West Virginia, you kind of wish you got that seven seed, and then you would have avoided Kansas, had the easiest matchup in Oklahoma. However, you are dealt the cards you are given, and that card is – the eight seed facing the nine seed Texas Tech Red Raiders. Mountaineers split with Tech this year in their two games. And an interesting stat is 
twice this year against Tech is the two games West Virginia has attempted their most three-pointers, 35 in their uh, first matchup, I believe, and then 28 their second time around at home. So they're going to have to shoot. They're going to have to make shots, as we just said. And to add on to it, Texas Tech will be without their head coach, Mark Adams. They decided to suspend him after some remarks came out around what he said to a player. So, um, I have a feeling this goes either one of two ways. I think West Virginia either wins this game pretty easily or Texas Tech comes out and plays some inspired basketball. Texas Tech has to kind of go on a run, probably win three games and at least get to the Big 12 championship game to have a chance at making the NCAA tournament. So they're they're playing desperate at this point. But uh, just kind of want to get your thoughts on the whole, whole game as a whole in this matchup with Tech, Aaron. Yeah, I mean, like you said, you're dealt, you know, the cards you're dealt as far as, you know, getting on Kansas' side of the bracket. You know, you never want that, especially with that, um, you know, second home court advantage in Kansas City. It's basically a Allen Fieldhouse 2.0 there. So you don't like that. But honestly, um, I know, you know, kind of Mountaineer fans were probably rooting for Texas Tech to get it done so the Mountaineers could face up against Oklahoma. But, you know, I don't really have that much of a problem against uh, with that. I mean, Oklahoma State – or no, Oklahoma came out – uh, the other day and got a big win against, I believe, TCU, um, right? And they're playing some pretty good basketball right now. Um, I watched Texas Tech play Oklahoma, and, man, that was a three-point fest. Uh, I think Oklahoma State attempted, like, 35 three-pointers, 34, 33, or something like that. Um, and like you said, no Mark Adams. I kind of I kind of don't mind this matchup. Obviously, wouldn't love to, to face Kansas in the second round if you get there. Um, but on the other side of the bracket, if you're on that other side, you're facing Texas. And I don't think WV matches up well with uh, the likes of Marcus Carr and Serge Abari Rice and, you know, Tyrese Hunter. I just, um, you know, I don't think WV matches up very well against them. Got beat by 35 on the road and got beat at home. So I don't mind this. Yeah, for me, I think for as, first, as far as first round matchups go, this team can play Tech well. Um, let's be honest, they probably should not have lost the game at home. Um, they just kind of showed up had no life to them that day and Jalen Tyson scored 27 um you had guys on tech who seemed like just somehow the ball would keep going in and they got a couple big rebounds late in that game kind of sealed it off for West Virginia and that if we're being honest at that point in time you're like oh my gosh West Virginia just lost a game it seemed like they had to have uh but they didn't have it, and here we are in a good spot either way. But for me, the difference for West Virginia is going to have to be Jimmy Bell. Jimmy Bell, a combined two points in the two games versus Texas Tech this year. Uh, and he just – he's got to be better. Um, because if you can kind of create that inside presence, I think it changes where your focus is, especially if you're – when you're on offense for West Virginia. And although they are playing a lot smaller um, – He's he's got to be better. Eric Stevenson scored twenty seven the second time out against Tech. He scored sixteen the first time. Uh, Joe Tucson had twenty two the first time against Tech, and Seth Wilson obviously had fifteen on five threes the first time against Tech. So you're gonna have to have someone step up, and I think one of those guys who has to step up is either gonna have to be Joe or Seth, just because when you're going small, you're gonna have all these guards play a lot more minutes. So for me, that's what I'm looking for is. Who can step up off the bench, whether it be Seth, whether it be Joe, whether it be a guy like Kobe Johnson who's kind of seen a minute increase, and especially when guys are in foul trouble. So interested to see what that is like. Yeah, you're going to have to get answers from from someone off the bench, and you know more than likely it's going to be Toussaint. Um, but if Toussaint has an off night or, you know, Lord forbid, gets injured or something like that, you're going to have to dip into 
um, Seth Wilson and Kobe Johnson. And we've seen we've seen enough out of Seth Wilson to know he can step in and with confidence shoot the three ball. Uh, kind of a minutes decrease here over the last few games, but I think he's still going to be ready to come off the bench and ready to shoot. And I've liked the minutes out of Kobe Johnson over the last couple of games. I mean, just kind of quietly, um, you know, played good minutes at, at Hilton Coliseum, um, had an A1, I believe, uh, played some decent minutes against K-State. But well, like you said, I mean, Jimmy Bell's got to step up a little bit. I mean, the Mountaineers are winning. They've won the last three out of their last four, kind of without him doing much. So I don't know if it's vital. But like I said, if you're if you're matched up in the tourney against somebody with you know good inside presence, you're gonna have to have him give you good minutes, not get in early foul trouble, and even if he's not scoring, hold you know he needs to hold his own and get some boards on the defensive end. I think um, I think if he doesn't do that, I think James Oconquo can step in and do that. Um, he stepped in at Texas Tech before he got a minutes increase, um, really showed us what he got, and then carried that over into Auburn and, and into league play. For me, going back to your point about the Texas-Kansas side of the bracket, you have a point that West Virginia might not match up well against Texas, but in fairness, like they played him tough in Morgantown, had a chance like to win that game in the second half, and mm-hmm. then they played him on two days rest when Texas was off since Monday in Austin at an 11 a.m. tip. So I don't put too much stock into that game as much as I do the one in Morgantown. But on the flip side, Kansas is not blowing people out of the water either. Uh, their last four games, if we're looking at it, they beat TCU on the road by five. They beat West Virginia at home by two, and that was on a full five-day layoff. Then three days later, they beat Texas Tech at home by four, and then four days after that, they lose to Texas on the road by 16. So Kansas is going to be a one-seed come March. They have a really good shot and I think deserve the number one overall seed, but they're not playing their best, and although you never really want to play Kansas outside of your home court – and especially not in Kansas City, like, uh, it's, I think Kansas is beatable right now, and Texas, having just beaten the Jayhawks by 16, there's two sides to this coin of, do you want to get the Texas team that just beat Kansas and might be thinking they're a really good team and can go make a run at this thing, or do you want to get a pissed-off Kansas team who is going to have to sit on that loss for four or five days here uh, before they really get a chance to play, and I think playing in the first game also isn't that bad of a deal because you kind of get your legs underneath you if you if you win that game and kind of get some momentum heading into getting a team who hasn't played in four or five days. Yeah, you have a you have a good point. I mean, even though I said, you know, I'm not a fan of the matchup against Texas, you never really want Kansas, no matter how bad they're playing, or you know, if they look a little uninspired, you don't want them in Kansas City. How many times in the in the press Virginia era did the Mountaineers put on a good little run in the Big Twelve tournament and then boom, Kansas? I think a couple of different times they got Kansas in the Big 12 championship. You know, they were just, you know, maybe 10 minutes away from a Big 12 championship. Can't get past Kansas. And even like last year, not a great team, but you win one in the Big 12 tourney and then immediately Kansas. And then even like Emmett's freshman year, they win two games and then they got Kansas. So like, it seems like all roads eventually lead to Kansas and WV can never really escape that. So I don't think you ever really want them in the Big 12 tourney. Yeah, they've never beaten Kansas outside of the Coliseum. And like it's hard like Kansas is really good they have a really good program Bill Self is a probably a top five coach all time what he's done with that Kansas program over the last decade and a half has been nothing short of remarkable and he keeps them up there year in and year out and yes Aaron as you said like this team has run into the Kansas buzzsaw too many times 
Um, but they did play him tough. They lost by two yeah. at Allen Fieldhouse. Like, I can't really remember a time, maybe that the game where it was the, whole, the free throw discrepancy and all that. Like, I think that's the only time they've really other been close that late uh, with a chance at that game. And uh, that, that's got to spark some confidence heading into playing them. And again, and I think the biggest reason that they should have confidence is they dominated Kansas on the glass. Um, and that's how you're going to have to beat these teams in the tournament is you're going to have to really rebound the ball, give yourself second chance points, second chance opportunities, because I think the biggest way upsets happen in March is teams that kind of run offense, get one shot, one look, and then you're relying on a make or miss game. And obviously basketball is make or miss. Yes. But if you're just relying on one, one guy per possession to give you a chance at a look that you kind of, Contents up late if things are close and you need to have those second chance opportunities. Those are those opportunities close to the goal, which West Virginia had oftentimes in Lawrence. Yeah, you've got a good point. And that's why Kansas is, is such a machine every single year, because they're not always just relying on one guy. Even they have the player of the year in Jalen Wilson, and they're not always just relying on him. They have a really, really good freshman in Grady Dick, but they're not always just relying on him. They got Kevin McCuller can step up and make a shot and play good defense and get get boards on, on the glass. Got Dewan Harris. I mean, like if you look at the game in Allen Fieldhouse where, you know, West Virginia almost won, w- Wilson wasn't bad and Dick wasn't bad, um, but they weren't they weren't like the closers they normally are. Instead, it was Dewan Harris who got six steals and, you know, in route to defensive player of the year for the Big 12. Yeah, what, West Virginia have, got Kevin McCullard in that game. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they always have reinforcements. They always have four or five guys that can beat you. Um, and if those guys don't beat you, they'll bring somebody off the bench and he'll beat you. So um, they're a machine every year, and it's because they're not relying on one guy. Even if that one guy has had 20 for four straight games, they'll have somebody else that can step up and make a play if, if their number is called. Yeah, like – Looking at the box score from that West Virginia Kansas game just like a week and a half ago, Jalen Wilson only had 11 points and six rebounds. KJ Adams, 13 points. Kevin McCullough, 16 points. Grady Dick, 16 points. And then Dewan Harris, uh, 17 points, six assists. So that's that's how you win these types of games. And when you hold someone like Jalen Wilson to 11 points when he's averaging close to 20 points a game, that's how you give yourself a chance to win. But a player who's a top five player in the country, big 12 player of the year, no doubt about it. He won it. He deserved it. It was his, uh, you're going to have to kind of catch one of these teams having somewhat of an off night, not saying they have to play their worst game of the year, not saying they have to play a middle of the packet. Like you, you can't have all of their guys, play to their full potential if you want to beat a Kansas in this type of tournament. Right. I mean, and you're going to have to have, you're going to have to beat them at their own game and you're going to have to have more than one guy uh, beat them, you know, and I think West Virginia has been doing a pretty good job of that right now. I mean, if, you know, we already talked about the starters playing well, but I mean, just look at it. Keedy's got double digits in three of his last five Trey double digits in three of his last four, including two of those games, 20 plus he's playing some of his best ball of the year and we know what he can do. I mean, he can step out and shoot a three if he needs to, uh, he's got good post moves, and he can attack the glass uh, when called upon. And and Emmett, I mean, Emmett can play the three, Emmett can play the four, and Emmett can play the five. And he's he's your glue guy, quote unquote, not a, the same kind of glue guy as like a Gabe Osaboyan. I mean, Emmett can get it more done on the offensive end, but I still look at him as you know that guy that is a senior leader, a fifth year senior, been in college for a long time, and they're all playing good basketball. Um, that's what you need. You need more than just Eric. 
you know, if Eric scores 27, that doesn't guarantee a win against a team like Kansas or Texas. you you got to have more than that. Um, and I'm liking what I'm seeing from WV right now. And the biggest thing for Emmett and Trey, I think, is that they're both rebounding the ball. And that's a big deal as well, because when they rebound the ball, as we've stated, they give themselves second chances at making plays. And Trey and Emmett have been better at that. I think against Texas Tech the second time, I think Trey had nine rebounds, only three points. So it's good to see the effort there, especially when you're not just scoring. Um, Moving on to, let's talk some NCAA tournament stuff. So West Virginia is going to be in. They're going to be in. They should be in. They deserve it. 18 wins, six quad one wins, uh, six and 12 in quad one games. Not great, but they don't have a bad loss on their resume. And uh, they're top 25 in the net. They are top 20 in Ken Palm. Looking at some stats, uh, Overall net wins, West Virginia's six is 14th in the country, tied with a bunch of other teams. Overall quad one, sorry, that was quad one wins. Um, overall quad one games played, West Virginia uh, has 18 played, and the entire top 10 for quad one games played is the Big 12. Kansas with 21, Baylor 20, Iowa State and Texas 19, and then West Virginia slides in there, tied with Oklahoma at 18. So the resume speaks for itself. They were really good in the non-conference schedule-wise. They had Xavier, obviously Purdue, obviously Florida, Auburn. So that helps. And then you're playing the best league in America. So what I want to get into, though, is West Virginia's ideal seating position because right now they're kind of floating in that 7 to 10 area. I think they're going to pick up a seed in that 7 to 10 area, depending on how many games they win in the Big 12 tournament. I know Joe Lenardi yesterday had West Virginia traveling down to Birmingham to play Illinois as a West Virginia being a 9 seed, Illinois being an 8 seed. But then you would be playing number one seed in Alabama in Birmingham, which I just don't think you want to do. Um, so you you can go first here, Aaron. Like, what's your ideal seed and why for West Virginia? Um, I don't know. I, I think playing in an 8-9 game wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, um, probably as, as a 9. Obviously, that's probably best-case scenario. I don't see them getting an 8. But, I mean, I think I saw one – you know, it's all speculation and predictions at this point, but I saw one where – WV was a nine against the eight Florida Atlantic. I mean, they could create havoc in that. And if they win that, I think that prediction um, had the Mountaineers or the winner of that uh, game against Purdue. So, um, you know, obviously Purdue already took down the Mountaineers once, but WV played a pretty good game out there in Oregon, only turned the ball over 11 times. And, you know, Zach Eady just really beat the Mountaineers from the free throw line. So, um, you know, I, I wouldn't mind to see that, but, you know, if they, uh, if they do end up being a 10, you see a lot of 7-10 upsets about every year in the bracket, so I don't think I would mind that either, depending on the matchup. Yeah, I I think I think there's we'll, – we'll get into this in a second. I think for West Virginia, Purdue, you want to see. I just have a feeling that Purdue is a little bit fraudulent. I think that if you can control Edie to an extent and not – I think let him get his, but if you can control him as far as – when he has the ball and pass it to someone else, if you can control that, that's how you win the game. Um, and I think you were down four, like with like four minutes left in that game on Thanksgiving night across the country in Oregon. So you've grown so much as a team from that game. You've kind of mm -hmm. figured out how to play. Trey Mitchell was in foul trouble. Emma Matthews was sick. Like there were so many other factors into that game and West Virginia really still had a chance to win it at the end. So 
Um, but what I want to get into is the whole thing here of seating versus location. And I think it's I think there's some some importance to this. Obviously, there's the eight regional locations, and there's two to me that really stick out, and those are Columbus and then Greensboro. And why I say Columbus, obviously Columbus, Ohio, right next to West Virginia. It's the closest site out of any of these sites. Um, if you're in Columbus, you're probably going to see a Purdue team. You are probably uh, going to see some of these Big Ten teams or a Houston team even. That Those are the types of schools you're going to see there. Um, and then Greensboro, because you have a large base of alumni in that North Carolina region, and you want to have your fans at the game. You don't want it to be you're playing Sacramento and you're playing UCLA or Arizona, and you're in Sacramento and you have a small section of fans there, right? You want you want it to be a neutral site where your fans can travel to. And so those are the two locations for me. And I think if you can somehow get one of those two locations, you're comfortable with playing anybody in the country. What I don't think you want if you're West Virginia is you don't want to have to travel to Sacramento and play a one-seated UCLA. Or you don't want to have to really travel to Birmingham and play Alabama in their backyard. I just don't think that is uh, conducive to the highest chance at pulling an upset if you make it to a second round against a one or a two seed. Absolutely. I think the the most ideal would be Columbus. I mean, I think back to the first year of Press Virginia, 2014 to 15, um, first round, second round, Mountaineers got shipped off to um, to Columbus. Played Buffalo, had a pretty large fan base. That was a, a close game. Tariq Phillip hit a big three, and the place kind of went nuts. And then they were the five seed playing the four seed in Maryland. Mello Trimble and and Des Wells and all of them. And the Mountaineers had a whole lot of fans there and they advanced to the Sweet 16. So I think you definitely want that. Don't, don't talk about that Sweet 16 name though, Aaron. Uh no, I, that that didn't happen. No, we'll we'll just the season ended there. But anyway, um, and then if you go down to North Carolina, some, something like that, like you said, there's a large group of WV, you know, alumni down there in the North Carolina, South Carolina, Florida, even a little bit of Georgia region. Um, and it's it's not a it's not a perfect you know drivable you know trip there but I mean Mountaineer fans have done way more than that as far as travel so they could you know make a trip down there what you don't want obviously is like going out to the west coast but even even the west coast I mean I think WV played in San Diego um Javon Carter senior year and they they advanced to the sweet 16 but they, they, I mean, they had, they the, they had the West Virginia Derby out there it was Marshall yeah. West Virginia yeah Marshall and Murray State so not the not the toughest matchups there although Murray State did have John uh, ja Morant but you know not the toughest matchup out there and if you're playing like a one seed in their backyard out on the west coast that's you know very not ideal yeah just kind of looking at the whole sites in general if i had to rank them i'd obviously go probably columbus one greensboro two albany three um then i guess orlando four birmingham five and then between des moines denver and sacramento it's more like who cares at that point uh i just think that you want to kind of like there's there's some point like say you make a run at this Big Twelve tournament right say you're playing Friday or Saturday right Aaron and then you've already gone through the Big Twelve schedule of the travel and how hard that is if you're West Virginia then you're gonna have to go stay in Kansas City play three games in three days possibly two games in two like something like that and then you're asking your players to get back on a flight go back across the country to a Pacific time zone and then play. 
two games two days later like that's just like at some point I feel like if you have you keep having to do all this cross-country travel in these short periods of times it's going to catch up to you and your legs are going to burn out and obviously that's the advantage of being the better team and playing closer to home and being a top four seed and getting your closer geographic location but it's 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 just I think you'd rather play the best team in the tournament in Columbus rather than play the worst two seed who is closer to Sacramento than you and have to play it in Sacramento. That's just my thoughts. Exactly. I mean, your thoughts are right. It's, it's tough. It's tough on these kids and, you know, hugs, you know, he, he complains about it, um, but he's got, he's got a point. I mean, WVU does the the most travel in the big 12 conference by a long, by a long shot. It's not going to get any better either with adding these new teams. They're going to have to go down to Houston and Orlando and Provo, Utah. Every You're going to love the 10 o'clock tip on a Tuesday night in Provo. You're just going to yeah, love it. It's basically like Pac-12 after dark at that point with Bill Walton. But yeah, right. I mean, it's tough. Hugs has a point when he complains about it. So, you know, they've gone through that the entire year against the most rigorous schedule in college basketball. So hopefully the committee would help them out a little bit and hopefully all that pays off for March. Um, you know, they know how to play with maybe a little jet lag, but you also want to want to maybe catch a break because you've put in so much travel and so much work in the Big 12. Hopefully you'd get a break through the committee um, and they placed you somewhere like North Carolina or or, um, or Columbus. Flip side of that too, uh, devil's advocate is you are in one spot. You're not traveling more once you get to your first and second round location. But yeah, you don't you don't want to have to be moving from more from Kansas City to Morgantown to Sacramento to then who knows where if you keep advancing. But uh, across that bridge when we get there, a uh, couple more things here. Key for West Virginia in March. I'll go first here. I think it's Trey Mitchell. I think when you're playing these small ball lineups, and I think that since it's been so successful, you're going to have to keep going with it. Trey at the five, he's going to have to be great, and he's going to not only have to be great defensively he's gonna to have to be great offensively and I think at times Trey has been pretty not weak with the ball but like there's been times when he's had the ball in his hands and he's just got to be stronger with it it's just simple as that he's got to be tougher with the ball he's so talented he like skill wise he's the most talented player on this team like if he can put it together for four games this team can go make a run at something and he knows that like he he's got to know that this team knows that and when he's great this team tends to follow with him and if you can keep Eric Stevenson hot, obviously that's a key for itself, but I just think Trey Mitchell being able to rebound the ball and score the ball and create matchup problems for other teams when you're playing small, that's the key, my key for West Virginia as they head into the Big 12 tournament and the NCAA tournament. Absolutely, you're right. I mean, Trey has had games like Oklahoma State and Kansas where he's shown he's one of the best players in the league as far as talent goes, but he's had a lot of games where, you know, he doesn't take care of the ball, kind of not smart passes, but – um. As far as as far as my points go, I, I'll let you you know kind of key in on the players. I'll go more in general here. I think the Mountaineers think when you're playing a you know seven ten game or an eight nine game, take care of the basketball. Don't let turnovers lose you a game in the first round. You know right after right after you get off the plane. I mean they've turned the ball they turned the ball over a lot twenty one times against Kansas, but that's Kansas with Dewan Harris. If you look at Purdue and Pitt. And Kansas also turned the ball over like 20 times that game too. So Yeah, you forced them on that end. I mean, if you look at Purdue and Pitt, those are two. I mean, Pitt's not guaranteed, but those are probably two tournament teams. One's a win, one's a loss. Those are both non-conference games. Mountaineers turned the ball over 11 times in both both of those games. It's not great, but that's not bad. Um, and that gives you a chance to win. Um, you know, I think you also need to stay out of foul trouble, obviously, especially if you're playing 
uh, you know, I'll reiterate if you're playing a guy like Zach Eady, you're going to have some foul trouble, but you can't have every big man, one, two, and three, um, have four fouls in the second half. So you have to play that game. And then it's March. So people are going to hit big shots. I think the Mountaineers, the guards, they need to stay um, keyed in on each team's best shooter. I mean, if you look at Kansas State, um, Marquis Snow is probably their best shooter. And like, did you see him in that second half? Step back, everything went in. So I can think of a couple instances in March where guys just their best shooter just comes comes to play and, and hits crazy shots just simply because it's March. I can think of Thomas Walk up with Stephen F. Austin and um think of think of Deshaun in the Big Ten tournament when they won it. Like Deshaun hit shot after shot after shot. And so you're going to have to have that guy. And I hate to say it, but Eric Stevenson, let's go be that guy. Yeah. You've talked about all year how you're a scorer. You've shown how you can drop 25, 30, 35 almost. Like, if you're going to have all this talk, do all these these antics, which you back up for the most part with your game, go out there and march, a thing you've been begging for. You've never seen march. Go out there. Go take this opportunity and run with it, Eric. If you want this moment, have this moment and take it. Don't shy away from it. Go drop 25. Go late when West Virginia needs a shot maker. Go make that shot. You've been asking for this moment all year. It's arrived. It's here. Go take it. Absolutely. March is when you have your biggest you know, chance to shine. And like I said, there's been times where WVU has kind of fell victim to somebody just shining, Thomas Walker, Buddy Bayon. But like you said, Eric Stevenson, you know, let's go get 25 in March. And I think he can do that. I mean, like I said, 27 against K-State, 23, 23, 23, 27 against Texas Tech, averaging like 25 in his last five. I think he's geared up for a big run. I can see him maybe slacking in a game or two in the big 12 tournament, but I think he's going to come out in the NCAA tournament um, and he's going to be ready to shoot. I mean, if you, if you, um, I mean, you're at the, at the Coliseum early for the home games. He's always the first one out there shooting with Alex Ruoff. You know, Alex Ruoff is WVU's all-time three-point leader. Um, he's a great shooter. He's had great moments in March, made a couple big shots against Duke that one time. Um, and I think, I think Eric Stevenson with the help of Ruoff as a GA is going to be geared up, um, you know, to swing the ball. The only thing about Eric is you you can't turn the ball over five times. You turn it over five times against Kansas State, four times against Iowa State. Those are your two highest turnover totals this year. So got to take care of the ball. And Keedy, you've also got to take care of the ball. I get that you drive so much. You're you're going to the hoop. You're getting stripped. You're getting hit. But eight turnovers against Kansas, not going to cut it. One and four against Iowa State and Kansas State, I think you're going to live with. If you can keep those two guys under four turnovers a game, you really give yourself a good chance to win because Keedy's offense this year has just taken off. And I think you're going to have, like, you see all these March Madness teams, they have a point guard. Keedy's not a true point guard, and we've all recognized that. However, he's doing the best job he can because he's an elite defender. The fact that he wasn't on the Big 12 all-defensive team is, I think, a joke. But, uh that's neither here nor there, but Eric and Keedy, you, you're going to have to be great. And I think that Eric knows it. I just want him to get the moment. I want him to take, take this moment. And I think you made a really good point, Aaron. You've seen West Virginia teams head into the tournament and they're all kind of looking around. I want one player. And I think it's going to be Eric Stevenson. I want someone to just Take control. We've been looking for the leader. We've been looking for the go-to guy. I want someone who this team rallies around and you say, you look at that person and you say, he's going to go win us a ball game today. If you're tied 69, 69 late with three minutes left at the under four timeout. So there's a sense of belief with these guys because they are so talented because they played such a hard schedule and played in the big 12 and 
truth be told, they've competed against pretty much every single team they've played. Um, whether it be a Big 12 opponent on at home or on the road, at some time, they've been had a chance to win basically every single against every single opponent, not every single game, but against every single opponent. And that makes a scary team come March. I just want someone to be able to look everyone else in the eyes and say, it's my time. Give me the ball. I'll go win you this game. Exactly. You need that closer. Um, and I think for a couple games there a couple years ago, Deuce was kind of that guy, but in the tournament, um, it was Buddy Beheim and, and Gerard for Syracuse that were those those closers. And like it's always McNeil, the other team. It's never West yeah, Virginia. Exactly. And I think and West we, Virginia's team is talented enough to do something. They just have to have that guy. Yeah. And like in that Syracuse game, McNeil was hitting everything in the second half. He had 20 some points, but he wasn't that guy. He wasn't the closer um, that like even if he's, he's hitting shots like down the stretch when it's a tie game there's no guarantees the ball is going to go to his hands because Mountaineers had Deuce, they had Culver, Emmett Matthews. I think this this year is is geared up for a chance for Eric Stevenson to be that closer, even if he's got 24-25. You know, put that aside, if it's 69-69 in the last minute, he needs to have the ball, he needs to be that closer. And I think he's going to have that opportunity. He's been chomping at the bid at it for all these years, played with Wichita, uh, you know, moved over to Washington, not a good situation there. And then moved over to South Carolina. They were terrible, but he was pretty good. Coach gets let go, and now he's a fifth-year senior on a good team, playing for hugs, playing with, you know, his childhood friend and Emmett Matthews, and I think he's ready to step up and shine. I think he's going to do it. There's a sense of desperation and a sense of this is it. And in one week's time, West Virginia will have one game for the rest of their lives for those three guys, for Emmett, Keedy, and Eric. And when you're desperate – Crazy things can happen, and I wish Eric had the ball. I like. I wish they just gave Eric the ball from the jump against Kansas in that last possession. I think I just wanted to see him, like, go win you, like, just give him the ball and let him try and win you the game because he's your best scorer, and at some point you have to live or die by that. And so there's probably going to be a game, whether it be against Texas Tech in the Big 12 tournament, maybe against Kansas, or if you beat Kansas – like after that in the Big 12 tournament, or it could be a first round game against a nine seed, an eight seed. Like you're going to have to go gives your guy a chance to win the game. And West Virginia is going to have to figure who that, who figure out who that person is. And I think it's Stevenson. I do too. And, you know, Eric's got to step up and in the same, in the same breath. I agree with what you said um, at Kansas. I wish they kind of would have just get, given Eric with the ball and let him, you know, cook, you know, to a degree. I don't mind Tucson, but I would have rather just go to Eric. But, like, if you go back earlier in Big 12 play at Oklahoma, they had a play for Eric, and he kind of hoisted up garbage with, like, 15 seconds to go. Um, not being overly critical, but that moment may happen in March, and I think Hugs will learn from that and not maybe give Joe or Keedy the ball. I think he'll give it to Eric or, or Trey. Um, and Eric needs to go make that play, and I, I think he's geared up for it. Um, I think that Oklahoma play was – I think that was an outlier. Uh, I think he's grown a lot since then because that was, you know, two months ago. I think I think he realizes what he has to do mentally in order to succeed at the highest level. And I think he's kind of found that sweet spot if you if you want to say it, call that. And he scored 20 points in his last five games. That's really freaking good. And so keep him hot, keep him going towards March and crazy things could happen. Last but not least here, the reason why we are podcasting is because it is the Big 12 tournament. So let's get into our final thoughts on that. Um, 
let's do who we think will win it. Actually, no, let's do who we think should win it and a sleeper team for this tournament. Who should win it, I think, is Texas. I think if you're Texas, you're fighting to possibly be like a two seed. Uh, You've been really good, Texas. You've shown you can beat anyone in this conference and you don't you won't you don't you don't have to see Kansas until the finals and i think Kansas and i think you on your side you Kansas State is not better than Baylor i just think they're they obviously they get the seed because of a tiebreaker but uh right now i think Baylor is better than Kansas State so if you're Texas i think you should win it uh a sleeper team though for me is Baylor Baylor's really good and they're experienced and Keontae George is a is a freak uh like that man can go give you 25 in five minutes it feels like he can he's just that good and they get iowa state and iowa state team that just went on the road and beat baylor but i just think it's hard to do that twice in like a week if you get what i'm saying um so i think baylor a team to watch if they can beat iowa state and then get kansas west virginia texas tech and then they're sitting pretty on Saturday against the bottom half of the bracket. And I think, truthfully, Oklahoma State's really good. They're going to give Texas some problems if they take care of business against Oklahoma. And then Kansas State and TCU, they're, I think they're pretty even there. So I think Baylor is going to be my sleeper team. Yeah, so for me, it's a little opposite. I mean, I, I really like the games of uh, Texas and Kansas, but Baylor's not a sleeper for me. Baylor's my champion. Um, they are incredible. As far as guard play goes, I mean, you give me – Give me those three guards over anybody in the country. Give me, you know, Keontae George, LJ Cryer, and Flagler, who's been there for multiple years, won a national championship, first team, uh, all Big 12. He's a bucket. LJ Cryer kind of reminds me of that guy, kind of like Macy Oteague on their national championship team. Like, yeah, Jared Butler and Davion Mitchell were their focus, but if you take your focus off Macy Oteague, he was going to drop 20. I think LJ Cryer is that. I mean, we saw that when WVU traveled to Waco. He can be a bucket. He made like seven or eight straight threes. So um, those three guards, Jalen Bridges is having a pretty good season as well. I got Baylor winning. As far as a sweeper, um, let's see, I really like Kansas State and just like their game, but I got TCU upsetting them in the first round, and I could see TCU giving Texas maybe some trouble. They beat them at home and barely lost in, in Austin. Mike Miles is healthy, 17 or 18 points a game. I could see them uh, being a sleeper, and I also have Oklahoma besting Oklahoma State in that first-round game. And then last question for you, how far you got West Virginia going in this thing? I got West Virginia against Texas Tech. Um, closer game than most people think. I know, know Mark Adams, but, you know, Tyson's a – you know, a, uh, he's a good player. Um, Pop Isaacs is playing good ball, but I think WV wins that game. And I've learned to, to never pick uh, – against Kansas when it's Allen Fieldhouse and Allen Fieldhouse 2.0. So uh, I hope I'm wrong, but um, I got Kansas defeating WVU on Thursday. I got a similar sense to you. I think West Virginia wins pretty easily Wednesday night, truth be told. I think Texas Tech either comes out of the gate and they show they're going to win by 40, or if you're West Virginia, you're going to get a lifeless defeated team who's going through a lot in a short period of time in a weird in a weird like you're playing the first game of the tournament so but when's uh, it ever easy it's never never easy, easy with this with team. never never easy but I'm, i i do think west virginia wins against Texas Tech by 15 ish um and then i think you lose to lawrence but uh lose to lawrence lose to kansas but i think that kansas game west virginia could play kansas really hard and as much as i say this as a 
West Virginia supporter. I think West Virginia could give Kansas a little bit of trouble there mm-hmm. in that second round matchup, especially because Kansas was going to come off a pretty long layoff. Um, Saturday to Thursday, you don't you haven't done that in a long time if you're a Big 12 team. You have not had that type of layoff. So West Virginia, obviously, whoever plays Kansas is going to have just won a game the day before and could 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 do some some could cause some trouble against the Jayhawks. So uh, you got anything else you want to hit on or you think we we're good to go? No, I think we're good to go. And I agree with your point. I think, I think that could be a little, maybe not like a trap game, but yeah, Saturday to Thursday is, is pretty uncommon. It's uncharted ground at this point of the year. So I think WV could give them a good game. They know that. I mean, they just almost lost at home to the Mountaineers. So I agree with your point. It's just really hard to pick uh, against Kansas in that sprint center. Hard to, hard to pick against uh, a top four team, a possibly the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament. So we'll probably be coming back to you a few more times here in the next week, two weeks here. Uh, Selection Sunday is five days away. Uh, Sunday is Selection Sunday, which is super, super, super exciting. And then from then on out, it's just a matter of where they go, who they play, and what they do. So... For Wesley Shoemaker, Aaron Parker, this is the Blue Gold Sports Podcast, and we thank you for listening.